Hey everybody, welcome to the latest edition of Volley. I'm Carolyn April, and as always, looking for my good buddy Seth Robinson. Seth. Hey, it's a it's a holiday edition of Volley. You've got you're all Ooh. decked out in the background. Deck the halls there, right? Feeling festive. Yes, feeling festive. What you don't see is a Christmas tree that is up in the house, but not decorated. Um, so it's he's a little sad right now. I'm gonna I'm gonna get to it this weekend. And make sure. Yeah. Do you go uh, Do you go hike up the mountain and climb one? Cut one down like you usually do. I didn't cut one down this year. Got one from a tree lot, um, but it's a nice live tree, um, and I put it in the stand, and it has to settle. I have got all these things I got to do with the tree, and it's got to settle so the branches are nice and and because uh, it's it was baled up, and so now it's got to settle down, and now it's ready ready to be decorated. But yeah. right now it looks just like a tree sitting in my house <laughs> with not, no ornaments on it, no lights. It's pretty fun. Yeah, I uh, I'm looking kind of anti-holiday here but we were decorated around the house we did that the nice. day after thanksgiving much to my wife's chagrin um but we're we got our big tree up and yeah everything's ready to go so cool yeah good good well we're here at the last volley of the year which is sort of strange right yeah yeah hard to believe uh you know my kid was asking me the other day how long have you guys been doing volley and i was like uh six and a half years now so but so we're ending another calendar year which is great and uh, we're going to end it with our year in review like we normally do where we try to take a look at the big news from the year through the lens of technology and a lot of the news was about technology directly so that'll make it easy but i think before we jump into some of the technology stuff i think the biggest news of the year and the most important news of the year doesn't really have a technology angle and we still want to acknowledge it and that's all the the conflict that's going on around the world you know, whether you're talking about the stuff that made the big headlines like Ukraine and Russia or Israel and Palestine, there's been a lot of other small skirmishes too, and uh, just lots of conflict and violence. And, you know, this isn't a news or a politics podcast. I don't think we really want to, you know, weigh in on, you know, sides or anything like that, but we want to acknowledge it and just, you know, say that there are a lot of innocent people getting, you know, killed, hurt, you know, lives uprooted, you know, in these conflicts. And I think we, you know, always wish for resolution that will let those innocent people kind of get back to their life. Yeah, you, I couldn't have said that any better, uh, my friend. Um, lots to be uh, upset about. Yeah, for sure. Um, there's there's a, there's a lot of conflict going on in the world. And and a lot of it is, um, you know, it just has you, you, you shaking your head because you can't really come up with a good answer. And unfortunately, there are a lot of people who are caught in the crossfire, um, no pun intended, but it's just, um, it's a terrible thing. Um, if, if there's one way to sort of bring it back a little bit tied into technology is that, you know, the connectedness of the world now um, is such, you know, between the internet and social media and and, and all of the advancements in, in digital everything for our world that, you know, you are fully aware of what's going on around you. And I think um, that's both um, a good thing and a bad thing. I mean, it really brings to fore, you know, what's going on in the world for, for us, like right to our front door. And, and hopefully, um, hopefully, um, the fact that things are not in the shadows, um, you know, will raise awareness, like you said, and, and and bring resolution also, as you said, um, to some of these conflicts, because you just can't turn away from it. Um, it's not something that you can pretend isn't going on. Um, so, you know, for the good or bad of technology, it does bring this stuff right to your front room, you know? Yeah. Yeah. That, that awareness, I think, does help deepen that sense of being connected. Yep. Um, and, and so, yeah, we... 
obviously, you know, hoping for for the best in, in all those situations. Um, but to turn now to, you know, the rest of the news from the year, uh, like I said, a lot of the news was directly technology related. And I think the, the next one on the list was is the best example of that. Um, you know, something that was kind of hard to get away from throughout the year. We've touched on this a lot in the episodes that we've had, and that is, of course, artificial intelligence, generative AI, you know, all the advances that are being made with large language models and the new capabilities that are being found and all the questions that are getting raised uh, around, you know, what does this mean for the future of work or the future of humanity? Um, and I mentioned this on the last episode. I mean, we're kind of coming off uh, the, the the big news of the past couple of weeks is, all of the shuffle that was happening with OpenAI, you know, with firing Sam Altman, the CEO, and then bringing him back and Microsoft got involved and whatever. I, I think one thing that was really interesting for me watching all that happen is that so much of the discussion was around corporate governance and it's making huge headlines because the technology has been in the headlines. Mm -hmm. But I, I think for you and me both, you know, our sweet spot when we're looking at the technology industry is the the activities that companies are taking kind of on a day-to-day -day basis and we talk a lot about strategy but i think we talk a lot about tactics right mm -hmm. and so much of the hype around ai uh isn't necessarily getting reflected a ton in the corporate world yet right and so there's all this promise out there and i believe that ai will eventually really contribute to efficiency productivity a lot of different things yeah. But I, I think that that pathway is going to be a little longer and more complicated than people imagine because so much of the attention now has been on what's essentially a consumer product, right? Um, and so you've got all this attention on, you know, ChatGPT or, you know, Bing with AI in, involved in it or some of the new tools that have, that have come out. Um, and there's been a little bit of a le less, less of a connection through the year about how is this actually making its way into business? Mm -hmm. uh, and that kind of culminated, you know, with the the stuff around the corporate governance and what the board was doing and everything where it's a big story, but we're not exactly talking about the technology here. Yeah, I, I would agree that for all of the hype, um, the practical applications of how this is going to um, AI is going to impact business, good and bad. Um, I, you know, they're still being, you know, um, kind of figured out um, or even, you know, explored, I guess would be a better word for it. You know, unless you're in one of the industries that's directly affected by, you know, ChatGPT, for instance, if you're in a content creation role or, a, you know, an industry where there's a, that's very writing heavy or something along those lines, then this has been kind of what you think about as somebody in that job role, um, somebody who runs one of those types of companies. Um, and it certainly has a lot of, ver of major relevance going on there right now now. But for other types of businesses, um, I think it's it's a little bit more um, theoretical at the moment and they and, and not really explored in terms of a practical way. Um, you mentioned governance, and I think that that is hopefully smart companies um, when they do start to figure out whatever their AI strategy is going to be, they make governance be a very critical piece of that, if not the top of that, when making all the under underlying decisions about how they're going to incorporate AI into their organization, what they're going to use it for, how they're going to sell AI, you know, um, enabled types of technologies. If you happen to be in the tech industry of the channel, whatever that is, needs to have some sort of umbrella of um, process and rules, I guess, um, um, overseeing that. 
um, so that things don't go awry. I mean, all of the a lot of the hype is about how AI could you know ruin the world, and if we don't want it to ruin our businesses or our day to day life, then the concept of governance and ap applying that concept um, to you know practical steps within your organization are going to be super important. Yeah, yeah, I, I I just feel like the more that I've looked at it, the more that I've used it myself, the more that I hear about some of the use cases of people using these things. I, I just feel like it's going to be really hard to extract humans from this process, right? You know, given what AI mm -hmm. is doing and the way that it's working and the fact that it isn't always producing perfect answers or answers that you want to, you know, build a business on or make decisions on, um, you know, it can do a lot of acceleration and amplification and, and things like that. But I just feel like there's going to be this ongoing need for some level of expertise, monitoring the results or feeding in the input uh, to make sure that you're guiding the AI in, in the way that you would want to. Uh, and I don't know exactly what that looks like. And I, I do believe that there's probably going to be some level of job destruction moving forward um, around some of the things that are the most routine. Uh, but I, you know, I also, talk with a lot of people that are in jobs that aren't going to be directly impacted by AI. I mean, maybe there's an indirect impact, but you know, if you're doing some kind of, you know, physical stocking of shelves or whatever that is, or you're, you're talking with people on a regular basis, some of those elements are going to stay there. And in some cases, a lot of those elements are going to stay there. And, and I think that a lot of the doom and gloom, you know, for, for one, it's kind of interesting to see that a lot of the doom and gloom comes from companies like OpenAI who are actively building these things, right? And so yeah. you almost have to take well, it. You know, better to come from them, I suppose, if they're building the solutions, then for them to sort of work out the kinks ahead of time, you know, um, at ground zero versus us figuring it out as consumers as after it's already gone down the, the market chain. Um, yeah, yeah. And I, I just, I, I don't know exactly how it's it's going to play out, right? I mean, I, I think that this is going to be a really powerful tool moving forward, um, yeah. but it's not just going to step in and replace a lot of work that's getting done today. It might, it might elevate a lot of that work to like a higher plane, you know, or, or higher efficiencies. Um, but I, I think people are still going to be, you know, pretty involved, or at least I guess I hope so. Um, well, so. I read a quote today and I'll end here is that, you know, somebody saying that um, AI isn't going to take your job. It's going to make your day easier. Mm. I thought that was a very sunny, optimistic viewpoint. We could kind of hope, let's just pin it, pin our hopes on on that one, because if it can be a tool that makes things easier in the workplace, that um, increases efficiency, which by, you know, as a byproduct, you know, increases profitability, usually that's all a good thing. Yeah. Yeah. I like that. So yeah. Yeah, probably enough said about AI. I, I would imagine that we'll return to this topic sometime in the next year. You think? Um, maybe with some more experts helping us discuss it. But uh, I think for now we can move on. Yes. So I will go and move into the next one because I'm hoping that the trajectory of AI doesn't look a lot like the trajectory, as I see it, of social media and and how that's gone. What started out is I think I remember when um, Twitter and this is going back decades now, but almost, is Twitter uh, Congress people, congressmen and women uh, were starting to use Twitter and they had all these news articles and, and video clips of them walking down the sidewalks in DC, doing, sending out a tweet. 
and and they would do these feature stories on them, like this is the coolest new technology. And then there were the great stories of how social media and, and Twitter in particular was used, you know, to see um, uprisings that were happening, like the Arab Spring and and things back in the day. So you were you know getting to see in real time what was going on in the world, like we talked about earlier at the very top of this volley. Fast forward to today, and unfortunately, what I think came became about and on broadening beyond Twitter now, not just the tweeting, but social media in general as a cool tool to connect with people um, has really turned and and to you know speed up the, the the exchange of information has really turned into what I consider to be a pretty negative thing for a lot of people. It's been a big privacy invasion for a lot of uh, of people and companies. It's been um, sort of the foundation for a lot of propaganda. Um, it's certainly been a psychological nightmare for a lot of teens. In, and we can talk about the impact of social media on young people um, forever and a day. Um, and so, you know, and so I don't want to completely bash, although I am, social media. Um, I'd like to I'd like to hope that whatever happens with AI does not go down this same path. And I think this year was even more than than the past five or so kind of a year of reckoning that social media has not turned out to be a very good thing for us. I, I think that's right. You know, and uh, if you're talking about things that have been in the news, the new owner of Twitter, Twitter has been in the news a ton uh, for yes. the decisions that he's making on that platform. But I think that kind of the undercurrent of that is what do we even want this platform to be? Or what do we even want this tool to be? Yeah. And I think that that plays into a lot of what you're talking about. I think it plays into the way that the government views these things because the, the battle for so long has been like, well, these aren't traditional publishing platforms, so they don't necessarily have to follow the same rules as like a newspaper or a news station or something like that. And I think there's you know good arguments for that, but they're clearly something different. And unfortunately, one of the threads that I think that social shares with AI is scale. And yeah. how are you managing this stuff once the scale you know, gets beyond the control that just a small team can be looking at privacy or looking at abuse or looking at whatever it is? And I don't think we've solved that yet. I mean, I think that's one of the greatest things that we're grappling with when it comes to technology is how exactly do we handle things that have gotten to massive global scale? Mm -hmm. And I don't think we've solved that with social yet, which means that we're probably a ways off from solving it with AI. And right. I, I think you're right that the, the social platforms tend to say, here are all the good things that we've done. And those are all true. And, and they have been able to achieve good things. But there's also this pile of things on the other side of the ledger. Uh, you know, And most recently, Facebook is facing you know, a lawsuit of multiple states presenting them with information that they were aware of um, people using the platform that didn't meet the age requirement um, right. and they weren't doing anything about it, which for a long time, Meta, Facebook have been saying, oh, we, we couldn't even tell if these people were on it or not. So if you're going to be a platform for good, you have to be good for everyone. And you can't just cherry pick yeah. the examples where it's like, well, we were good here and good here and good here, but we were really bad for anyone under the age of 13. Um, yeah. That's, we kind of want to take care of the kids, right? And so, kinda. so that's that's not really going to gonna cut it. And again, I just, I don't think that we know exactly how to manage these things. I don't think internally they have all the tools necessary. And I think they're building them and, and trying, but they're clearly not there yet. Um, and I think this year has been uh, a bit of a reckoning. And I think it'll be really interesting to see how these things evolve moving forward and really what the appetite of people is to continue using these tools. 
Yeah, I think your thought on scale and and then who's accountable um, for you know for that scale and managing it all um, is really important. And I hope that the how it's unfolded with social media can it serve at least as kind of a cautionary tale for how we decide scale and and who's accountable um, uh, plays out on the AI side of things. Um, and, and that we've learned something there because, you know, something small like, a, you know, the beginnings of Facebook or Twitter that then explode. I just think it is folly to think, you know, as the, the, the owners of those platforms to be able to say, well, we're just, you know, we just provide the, you know, the environment for the speech, but we don't have anything, you know, we're not responsible for managing it. And I just think that that is, well, it, it, like you said, there can be arguments made for that case at the scale that, that things have grown, it doesn't hold water anymore. Yeah, and with the algorithms that they're using to amplify certain messages, right? right. Um, the, the other side of that, that is that people are figuring out how to gain that system, right? Uh -huh. And so if you've got the, these mechanisms built into your platform, then people are going to figure out how to use that for their advantage. And you then become somewhat complicit in whatever messages are getting amplified. Yep. So if we need more people to help solve a lot of these <laughs> problems, I think that leads us to the third big story of the year, which is the, the trends around technology jobs. Um, yep. And when I'm thinking about the technology workforce, the first thing I think of is the beginning of the year where we were doing a lot of calls with media around layoffs that were happening in the mm -hmm. technology sector, specifically with relatively large technology vendors or technology services companies uh, and people asking, you know, what does this mean for the rest of the technology workforce? And at the time, I think we would say that a lot of those companies were going through standard business corrections. This is what you see. The people that they're laying off are not all technology workers. And we've got data that shows that technology workers are still being hired uh, by a lot of companies throughout the entire economy. And I think that that trend mostly held up through the year. I think in the latter part of the year here, we've seen a little bit of softness in some of that, yeah. uh, which is going to be related to the overall economy and people approaching the end of the year and maybe kind of wondering fiscally, how do we handle you know, going into a new year? But I, I think overall, the, the story that we tell around technology jobs is that they are going to be a strong thing moving forward. They're a strong choice for anyone that wants to figure out a career for the future. And there's going to be ongoing demand. And then underneath that large, broad umbrella statement, there's a lot of different facets to pull apart about the nature of that demand. Yeah, um, I think you've encapsulated that really well. Um, I remember our conversations from the beginning of the year about and the media calls about, you know, what does this mean? You know, fill in the blank, giant tech company is laying off thousands this week. And I think the, the the explanations of the time really have borne themselves out. There was a lot of course correction going on and within companies that had hired, you know, a, a crazy number of people during the zero interest boom times that we had uh, been experiencing where they could afford to just hire rafts and teams of people to work on pilot projects all over and and not necessarily be part of the the core business, but it was okay. And 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 like you said, they did sort of, sort of the the, the basic kind of corrections that happen within businesses all the time. It just happened to be at big scale because these are big companies and made headlines. Um, and I do think that your assessment, like you know, generally speaking, you know, uh, being in a, in a tech job role or pursuing a tech career is uh, a good place to be. 
um, you know, if you compare it with with other professions out there and 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 other industries, um, it is um, certainly I would say on the optimistic side of the scale. And again, there are always going to be levers that can go up or down around the economy, around some of the global conflict that we talked about. Um, and 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 yet, I, what I see more of is rather than. Um, fewer tech jobs, I see the the shift in tech jobs so that, you know, there may be some at any given time that are more important than others, or there are new emerging jobs around cybersecurity or AI, as we just talked about, um, that might fill, you know, might be um, highly in demand, say next year. Um, and yet I still see that you're going to be filling, you know, a, a pretty strong funnel is going to be needed to fill those infrastructure roles that we talk about so much, because, you know, the foundation of technology within companies is, is still there. And those pieces all have to still work well for any of these higher level things to be put on top of them. So, you know, all in all, I'd say if, as we year in review on this topic, um, I'd give it a thumbs up as, as, as a positive as we enter into next year. Yeah, that part that you just mentioned about uh, things getting layered on top of a foundation, I think mm -hmm. was the part that I really wanted to uh, emphasize uh, and, and agree with you on that I've seen throughout the year where people want to be talking about what are the new jobs? What are the jobs that are emerging? Yeah. You know, what are some of the more advanced jobs? What are the pathways that people can take in? And I think that the big thing that's getting missed in that is that any of the new jobs require some kind of a foundation to get there. Um, so not only do there continue to be a lot of those foundational jobs demanded, uh, an opportunity for a lot of people to get into them, but in a lot of cases, that's the pathway to get into the more advanced job that you're talking about. So, you know, I, I feel like there's this sense out there that if you're just starting to get into a tech career, you can spend however much time it's going to be, you know, without talking about getting into a degree program or certifications or whatever, you can spend X amount of time becoming a database administrator, or you could spend the same amount of time becoming a data scientist. And that's just not the case, right? Like you probably have to become a database administrator in order to take the next step into something else. Um, and companies need both. They can't just get everyone up to becoming a data scientist and then they've got tons of data scientists running around. They need all of it. Yep. So I think that those layers of the technology workforce are going to be a really important thing to emphasize and be aware of over the, the next few years as we're talking about getting more and more people into these types of job roles. Yeah, I think the concept of a, of a support team is important too. Like not everybody moves, although, you know, continues to move up the ladder. There are people that stay within their role. I mean, I think of it sometimes like, uh, you know, in an operating room, you know, you've got the the brain surgeon, the neurosurgeon who's doing the actual operation on, on your brain, but they cannot do that in isolation. They've got an anesthesiologist in the room with them. They've got, you know, five different scrub nurses in the room who are handing them utensils and tools. And none of that, you know, top of the line brain surgery happens at all without all of those other players in place. And that's the way I sort of see modern business with technology and its layers. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's exactly right. So, so we've got three other topics that we want to hit, but I think we're going to do these kind of a lightning round. We'll try to All be right. pretty quick about these. Uh, not that they're less important, but I think they made a little bit, you know, less, you know, ripples throughout throughout the economy. So, yeah. sticking with the workforce, uh, I think the first one is that it feels like we're kind of fully in post-pandemic now. I, I don't mm -hmm. think that got talked about very much throughout the year. 
Uh, I think there are ripples from the pandemic that we're still dealing with, but uh, it, it doesn't feel like the pandemic itself is really still affecting a lot of companies. Yeah, I'd agree. Um, I think the I've really stopped talking about it um, in media calls and, and in other presentations as much in the second half of this year in particular. I think beginning of the year, still talking about it a little bit. Um, I definitely think we have moved into post-pandemic. Um, in terms of the effect on the workforce, you know, the one thing that I think um, is here to stay, because I think, you know, we, we'll still see whether things are permanent, not permanent, and, and some of the changes that were made over those three years uh, where we were really in the thick of it. But I think I can be as close to permanence as as anything on the idea of remote work or the flexibility around remote work um, here to stay. Um, yeah, I, and, I, and I think that will be one. I think that concept is here to stay and what exactly the balance is, is something that still might be a little fluid as new generations are coming into the workforce and deciding what exactly they want their balance to be. Yeah, I think that's very true. I think like you like people seasoned veterans like ourselves who are fine with being, you know, working from home because we'd already done the in the office thing for years, um, may have a little bit of a different viewpoint than uh, somebody just coming out of college who's, um, you know, likes the idea uh, in theory of being able to work from their apartment all day, but then realizes that, you know, they they really kind of miss seeing a boss, seeing other coworkers, doing something after work, you know, that yeah. sort of thing. So, yeah, yeah, you're right. I think that there's going to be sort of a, there'll be a, a, a diversity of, of interest in the type of remote work that we're going to see, but I don't think it's going away. Yeah. So then the next one uh, is around cybersecurity. Um, there were a lot of cybersecurity breaches and incidents throughout the year, but it's a little difficult to name any one of them, sort of unlike past years where you could point out, oh, there was this huge thing with Colonial Pipeline or Target or whatever it was, and this is what it meant. It's just becoming a way of life now, uh, kind of for better or for worse. I, I think on the one hand, companies definitely know that they need to staff up cybersecurity and pay attention to it. On the other hand, it's becoming so routine that maybe they don't place the level of priority that they need to. Yeah, I, I would agree with you that it's becoming um, a given um, in, in, a, in a cost of doing business for many companies. The fact that you see cyber insurance becoming a more kind of commonplace thing nowadays, just like you have insurance on your cars and on your homes, um, makes me think, you know, we are kind of as a society accepting that this is just going to be um, a threat that we face on a regular basis and there's going to be actuary tables about whether or not, you know, you know, and 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 so be it. Um, unfortunately, um, it comes with a huge cost, as you be know better than anyone, um, having done extensive work on, on cybersecurity. Um, it's something that I think businesses have to pay attention to and can't ignore just because it's going to be commonplace and happen all the time. But yeah, I think the, the big to do um, and all of us getting in, you know, um, in, a, in a fit over it um, every single day, you know, is, is probably not going to happen anymore. Yeah. Yeah, and then the last one that I think we wanted to touch on is the focus on the, the components of technology. So if we're becoming a digital society and digital economy, then things like the CHIPS Act, where we're trying to manufacture more digital components, or we're really starting to get concerned about how those components flow through supply chains and who owns that, who controls that, that was definitely a topic throughout this year. And I think it will continue to be a topic moving forward. 
It will. I guess that brings us full circle back to global conflicts too. But, you know, a lot of supply chain issues and um, component building happens all over, you know, all over. And in some cases in countries that, you know, we aren't necessarily best friends with. And, and so, you know, sorting out the, the, the ebb and flow of, um, of componentry that is so important to building all this technology, getting back again to at the, you know, at the baseline, we can talk about emerging tech and all the cool stuff, but you need all these components or else you've got nothing. You need the infrastructure. Um, so the fact that there's a lot, um, there's been a lot going on this year at the federal level um, in the government, um, and also, you know, on a global scale, um, speaks to the fact uh, that getting supply chain issues and getting the right agreements with other countries and, and other organizations across the globe um, in place so that we don't have a repeat of, you know, supply chain shortages and, and other kinds of nightmares that cause everything to grind to a halt, you know, doesn't happen. Yeah. Well, it was a, it was a busy year. It was. Very I think good. we stayed on top of it pretty well, uh, not, you know, throughout the year, but also in the past 28 minutes or so. Yeah, we did. That was good. That was All good. Right. Yeah. Well, uh, I wish you happy holidays and, and a happy end of the year and can't wait to do this again with you next year. Sounds good. Same to you uh, and your family. Thank you. And thanks, as always, to our producer, Andrea McMillan. Thanks, Andrea, for being with us all year. Uh, it's been a great one. And like I said, looking forward to another year of Bali starting in January. Yay. Lean to the left.